1: Thank you for the support. Due to your donations, we don't come up short. When the bill collector asks for cash, that's what we have. Thanks to everyone for the generosity that they were able to give so the podcast can live. Larry Charles is the same name in the game, and the podcast here is Game Dev Unchained. And I couldn't do it by myself. Thanks to the help, Mr. Brandon Fam. Holla.
2: This is, br- I'm not going to even try. <laughs> hey, guys. Thank you so much for the support on Patreon. We really appreciate it. Uh, Anything is helpful. Even going to our iTunes page, giving our uh, page some love uh, really helps us spread the word about the podcast. So if you have any time to spare, please, please go to our iTunes, uh, give a rating, uh, good or bad, and uh, just let the people know what you feel about it. Peace.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls all over the state, the country, the continent, the globe, the world, the galaxy. This is Larry Charles, one half of the Game Dev Unchained podcast team. If you don't know who that is and what we do, we are the number one podcast for game development lifestyle and game development stories. End of story. I don't care who else makes podcasts. We're the first. And I say we a lot because there's two people that are responsible for bringing the show together. Myself and my famous co-host. He was the first person to ice cream. You scream. We all scream for ice cream. Mr. Brandon Fam.
2: Uh, yum, yum, guys. This is Brandon Fam. Welcome, my ice cream buddy. Imran
1: Sheik. <laughs> oh, Imran. Oh, hello.
2: Hi, hello. Imran. What's
1: everybody's about, favorite flavor for this ice cream?
2: <laughs> Just whatever... Dude. It allows the three of us eat it together. I don't know, this is turning <laughs> weird. Well, Emron, thank you for joining the podcast. Uh So this is the part where I ask uh for our audience and listeners, uh what you've been up to. Like uh, a little bit about your background up to this point.
0: Oh sure. So my name is Imran Sheikh. I'm just uh good old fashioned neighborhood freelance illustrator that's working in production for television shows, a handful of films, currently games and commercials for games Mm -hmm. and doing a bit of juggling, but, uh, Mm -hmm. just, you know, draw with both arms, come with it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, just right now in the middle of the busy season, fall season. So a bit of TV as well. But yeah, my background is I'm from Detroit and I went to College for Creative Studies, uh, started illustration over there, came over here to work specifically at Pandemic Studios. They hired me hey. up and I made the road trip with my old pal, uh, Jason Hazelrod, who is, I believe, art director at uh, Blind Squirrel. Mm. Oh, uh, nice. And I believe, Larry, you work with him maybe at, um, on one of the Call of Duty titles in uh, San Francisco.
1: Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, then if that's the case, Brandon as well at uh, Sledgehammer. For oh, Sledgehammer,
0: totally. So, yeah, you worked, you work I both worked with him.
2: Which one was this one? Yeah. Sorry. Possibly.
0: Jason Hazelroth.
1: Hazelroth? Doesn't sound familiar yeah, to me. It's escaping me, unfortunately. What oh, He's, he's art you. director. What was he before an art director? Oh, he's a concept artist. Um, and Angie. We're in that group. I know Angie. Now, Andy, Andy yeah, for Andy, sure, Andy. I know Angie. Andy. Angie's, Angie's legit. She is wonderful. Shout out to Angie, by the way. Oh. <laughs> she hears this.
2: I'm just going to say that I know him, and then Larry looks bad, <laughs> right? So shout out to the Sledgehammer team over there for sure.
1: Oh, they're wonderful. Yeah, it was amazing. Him and Brandon go way back, apparently. Yeah. all right, All the way back. The reason why we're putting this podcast together is there was a very big game development studio that was uh, very critical to the success of a couple of franchises that people my age really enjoyed. Uh, they brought a lot of talented folks together, and then they didn't anymore. And that studio's Pandemic Studios. I wanted to kind of shine some light on how the studio came to be, some of the culture, some of the projects, Imran, that you worked on specifically. And then, of course, what it was like, I guess, as, you know, things started to fold and, uh, you know, let everyone know, I guess, how everyone's doing because I know you keep t- keep in touch. And there's oh, yeah. one thing I know about the Pandemic folks. They have email threads and chain. They keep together. They work together. It's like a company culture that never died. Right. So, yeah, how about the early days, man? What was it like getting started at Pandemic? So
0: I got started around 2005. So like a Battlefront 1 was already out. Um, a mm-hmm. Mercenaries was out. Full Spectrum Warrior, a game I loved, was out. Oh, yes. Uh, was that uh, Destroy Humans, excellent. Mm-hmm. Written by Tom Abernathy. Just wonderful game, hilarious. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I was already a fan and I was working as an art director for Chevy United States Navy at a studio called Campbell Ewald in Detroit. Okay. So I was dreaming of the ocean, dreaming of getting out of the getting out of Michigan. Yeah. Uh, as much as I love home, I wanted to see if I was up to the up to challenge. Mm-hmm. And my pal, I was. I mentioned Jason Hazaroth. We both did an art test together. Uh, we got the art test from Pandemic for some unannounced title, and we had to draw a Parisian city street and some of the props and assets, and just kind of live it in and spend a day. And we did two different, very different takes and they hired both of us. So we yes. like, you know, did wonder twin high five I <laughs> fit to a bucket of water. Unfortunately, but uh, we made the road trip in a sport focus and jammed our entire lives into a small, like two door focus. Oh, wow. And drove across country to start working on the saboteur. That yes. was what we were hired for. Yes. Uh, and that was the beginning of 2005. So I predominantly worked on that title, but uh, met quite a few friends and my wife from other pandemic avenues so they were working mercenaries 2 my wife was working on uh star wars battlefront 2. uh let's see they also had a lord of the rings title destroy humans 2 a defunct batman title at one point so just there's a lot
1: of work it sounds like there's
0: a lot of work at that shop that's why i guess we're also uh tight-knit we were tossed quite a lot of fun puzzles and we were we were told to have at it by the owners uh josh resnick and uh what's that andrew andrew goldman uh both really talented funny guys i think josh is now him and his wife own a business called sugarfina that was on good morning america and they sure have chocolates and it's like in high-end malls and stuff like that hey. so, like there's a quite an entrepreneurial spirit throughout. They're i can't have any of that because <laughs> the beatus runs in my family so i can't can't do it
1: yeah the, wait, wait. I'm sorry. I'm, I think that went over my head. The what runs in your family? Diabetes. Oh, the beatus. The diabetes. Oh, the beat. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. I thought I just wasn't hip to what you just said. I didn't no, hear no,
0: no. it quite, better
1: quite not well. See it to the beatus. Yeah, I the word, understand.
0: The <laughs> 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 my PSA at the end will be about the beatus. Be-
1: <laughs> well, so. Can you tell me about your experience on Saboteur specifically? Because actually, I still have signed artwork from you, sir, oh, in my collection of game developers. No, you're too sweet. You gave it to me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I had a great opportunity to be one of like the ground floor artists with Jason Hazelrod, Brian Norton. Uh, we had Alan M. We had Peter Chan. We had Ronnie Fontabella. Many of these people have moved on. Ronnie, right, yeah, so many huge titles as artists production artists, and art directors and contributors so it was it was kind of like a weird uh brat pack of all of us in the same detention together but we ran the school at the same time it was really fun where the vibe was i was just learning every day the first time i touched a cintiq was at that studio and now i haven't been able to go back there's my baby right here so yeah (laughs) (laughs) so with that in mind it's um no, it was a huge opportunity, and Sabotru was an incredible cool. challenge because like half the game is in black and white,
3: mm.
0: and it's open world, and other parts are full color. And how do you even wrap your head around making two games at once? And we had so many like just poetic and clever engineers that figured out how to do that in open world, which still boggles my mind. I haven't seen a game like it since but uh it was fun it was fun times uh anything specific like you know that you played that you'd want to know more about there's race driving there's spies
1: sexy girls nazis Not, i guess that's back in fashion now yeah you guys were ahead of the curve man
2: well the interesting about this is like we're, we're kind of using pandemic like as a case study because during that time uh especially there was uh i would say how as the ps3 was struggling like triple a studios were kind of figuring out this nut to crack right they're like uh, bloated budgets uh uh, betting on trying to bet on sure bets uh and then most not uh, being able to, to get it and pandemic if anything because of the tight-knit community that you guys built uh and the long uh development times i mean like been being around for a long time on multiple multiple titles like uh larry and i both really enjoyed um where was it what what happened exactly uh i mean we kind of have an idea but it's always good yeah. to kind of see like you know the steps and just being in it like what, oh, sure. what the signs were and, and everything?
0: Oh, sure. Most of it was, you know, we still had a great community throughout, but there was an initial merger with uh, BioWare through a company called VG Holdings that John Riccitello mm. and uh, Bono from U2 owned and a few other um, angel investors. They merged uh, BioWare and Pandemic uh, through a huge buy. And that was, I think, one of the biggest mergers until the second merger where EA bought that merger. Mm -hmm. So I think that was like 400-some million dollars, something like out of hand. Mm -hmm. Um, Bit by bit, I wouldn't say it got too corporate. You know, I'm a concept artist, so mostly I'm in my little Mm hole, tiny hole, just drawing things. But uh, bit by bit, it became more about we had a lot of releases all at once. Uh, Saboteur... Took a long time. It's, a, it's an open world game, and Pandemic was known for doing a lot of that good stuff. I don't think we used much of the same engine technology, so we we're doing a lot of things from scratch. We didn't share much with other teams.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, Saboteur came as the studio closed,
3: mm-hmm.
0: so that was that was a little hard, right? It was the last title. Um, you know hopefully people sign petitions for Saboteur 2 or something you know something a little bit more fun something cheeky to come out Uh, there's a lot of people that work on it would love to see something like that but that was the thing it was a little game that could because it was it was like a five maybe six year production
2: damn Mm.
0: and it came out I still get fan mail from people which is really cool uh, I got to do an illustration for Playboy for them for Girls of Gaming because we had pinup style mm-hmm. uh, ladies. And uh, see, yeah, I think wistfully because I got to meet a lot of cool people. But uh, and then it led me to your guys' path. Definitely met Larry shortly after thereafter yeah. with the the volume, the deluge of pandemic people uh, <laughs> coming in. You know, the company could hire a studio like yeah. in a in a weekend.
1: Yep. <laughs> Well, you know, it's 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 easy to get a bunch of people to work for your studio all at once when you promise a lot, you know. So, oh yeah, it's uh, it was. I'm just happy that I got to meet all you guys. Oh, I say goodness. that it was a wonderful experience, and I think that the people are what really what made it solid.
0: Oh yes, yes, yeah. from the top down, I, like everybody, like even the owners, they had such a cool way. They had an open door policy. And uh, they're just very clever. So they're pretty yeah. good and hands on, good writers. Like we had really oh, yeah. good writers right off the bat. So then the engineering team, you know, I didn't get to work with them in like a direct fashion. I'm, I'm just doodler, I just draw. <laughs> but uh, we would work together and eat together and just like spark <laughs> ideas because it was an odd game. It was a really odd game. If I don't know if you've played the Saddle Tour much. I don't know if you've seen videos I've seen it. of it. Like, i seen it, yeah. Yeah. I've seen your work. Oh, thank you. It's like, it's, it's a mix. It's like a, such a, it's almost like a Saints Row in World War Two with sexy yeah. babies yeah. and funny, like funny, evil Nazis Yeah. before yeah. it got super real. Like it's like too real right now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the funny Nazis were hilarious.
0: <laughs>
2: so how big was but the team? You
0: could have a laugh at Nazis. What happened? What happened? What happened?
2: Yeah, we thought real. they were gone. They're already gone. This yeah. <laughs> is what it is. <laughs> so, so, like, well, how big was the team? The saboteur team.
0: Saboteur team was, I think, upwards of like 150. 150. Okay. You know, it was it was a lion's share at one point because Mercenaries Two is wrapping down, so we absorbed some of that.
2: So how many how many games would you say at the peak?
1: Three one floors, of, right?
0: Of uh, of pandemic. Yeah. Let's see. They had an Australian studio too, which is really cool. When they were making some of the Destroyer Humans, they're doing like a Batman prototype before Rocksteady did the amazing thing that they did. Um, but it was, yeah, it was like Mercenaries, uh, Saboteur, and then a bunch of other things being written, like three or four. And then eventually, the Lord of the Rings came in. Yeah, it was. Jeez. It was a lot of development at once. It's like you know, the- they were an engine of creativity at yeah. one point.
2: So as a as a company, how many people were under that at least in house?
0: I think three hundred total. Mm-hmm. Like in us, you know, in a in a in a high rise in, in downtown Westwood, which is beautiful, so beautiful. I still live around the area. You know, it's that's the, I moved from Detroit right to Westwood, which is quite the gym. Yeah, and uh, haven't been able to get rid of me since. So right. it's good. It's, it's the ice cream. <laughs>
3: It's definitely the ice cream.
2: <laughs> So uh, what's interesting about, like, that? that's a lot of people and a lot of development, a lot of projects, to be honest. I, I don't remember a, a company having that many projects under one roof unless they're like an EA or something. Right. But even then, you know, you're only talking about maybe Red Shore having visceral games maybe the sims and maybe uh madden under one roof but like you're talking about like, right. four to five different projects that's really And it was an
0: indie studio and there was like it had that indie vibe of being pe- really cool like yeah. just really cool people able to talk about anything and try to i guess now they call it scrum like mm-hmm. just get up and make your own unit mm-hmm. we did that a lot and by the end of it I had an unusual opportunity as a concept artist to work from the very beginning to the very end. That mm-hmm. like never happens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So usually you hand off your, you know, your babies and you hope they grow up right and don't be crazy. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things where, uh, I got to do the concept and then texture work and then eventually marketing work and the playboy pieces, you know, just pretty much all the way throughout. And it was, uh, I don't know. It was a very complete experience.
1: Can you take us through what some of the culture was like as far as, you know, were there any special things that you look forward to working there, like special events or like f- on Fridays we did X things uh-huh. that you saw at that company that you didn't really see at other companies?
0: Well, the pandemic had uh, like legendary level parties.
1: Oh, I, don't if, yes. I don't know
0: if you ever got to attend.
1: I did not. I didn't know you guys in uh, time.
0: <laughs> oh, you have the benefit of being young, young gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, they were incredibly hype. And it was one of those things where I have never... I have yet to see opulence matched to that level. (laughs) So, uh, bravo. Hats off. Because it was incredibly impressive. It was also inclusive. Mm. So, it was one of those things where, like, you'd see people from all walks of the industry come together all at once. So it was an opportunity to mingle in, a, in almost your home court. Mm-hmm. But home court was one time the museum, the museum of natural history
3: mm-hmm.
0: uh, with the crystal method spinning in there. It was just like crazy hype.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, wow. But also yeah. there was like community things where people would play or watch uh, TV shows like, you know, Battlestar Galactica was big then. So we got mm-hmm. together and watched that, you know, just little things. Okay. But uh, I guess, you know, same thing as your guys' studio is very similar where it's, like, it's, uh, it's a very natural outcropping of hanging out, kicking it, mm-hmm. and finding all the places to eat and just being, like, locusts.
3: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, like, pandemic,
2: if you work, especially around L.A. or in California, you would meet someone that's been through that studio. Um, I mean, part of what you're saying is it that type of thing that's, uh, sparking a, a connection or a magic that that uh, even to this day, a lot of people talk about pandemic and and they feel sad that that it ended the way it did because everything was riding so high. Like being there on the ground floor, were there some signs? I mean, I'm sure there was, but like when when did you guys know? I mean, like some some of the things you guys uh, you're saying that speaks uh, to me. Is like you know usually when we talk about um, our boss saying it, with them having an open door policy, rarely they really mean it, right? But it sounds like your your guy your 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 boss did. Oh, yeah. But like, I'm like seriously. They there will went, be meetings like I, they're daring me to. It's an open door policy. I dare you to come. What in. I
0: loved about uh, Josh, yeah, and uh, Andrew and Greg. Greg Baroud was, I guess, one of the the more listen uh, I believe a CFO or something like that. Mm-hmm. But he's just a really nice guy. But the open door went both ways, mm-hmm. so they could you know roll up in your business mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and say what are you doing? Mm-hmm. And I love that because they would you'd see them swing by, and it was it was nice to see people who are in charge, be so involved. Uh, since then it's, it's a little bit more rare Mm -hmm. as an occasion to see people really uh, enthusiastic about their business beyond the dollars and cents. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I don't see it with cynicism today. I just see it with so much optimism that, you know,
2: were there things that happen where you're like, Oh, you know, the industry is changing a bit from then, like any sticking out, sticking points,
0: well, the pandemic purchase, double purchase and double mergers were emblematic of a series of mergers yeah. that went down and um, IP hunting where you would just buy things to own them. Mm-hmm. And it was how businesses made money and then they would just lay off people yeah. because you just did an acquisition. I understand that. That's how quarterly reports work. You know, that's mm-hmm. you work long enough, you figure it out. But did it have to be that way? Uh, you know, some, some people are subject to the system and they're asked to, you know, hold it up, hold it up for what it is. And a lot of people have our entire lives in this giant business to thank for that. That's amazing. But maybe over time we can ask for better. We can ask for something more sustainable and something where there's like a Scrooge McDuck vault of ideas. Call me. Mm -hmm. but uh, like to jump into and then people to put to work because it's you know supply and demand but right now it's too risk oriented and back then we were feeling the beginning of that it seemed like things started costing so much because every generation of consoles you have to redo your pipeline completely Mm -hmm. and pandemics open world games were caught right in the middle between two of the biggest ones yeah So those are you know considerable switches. So we had genius engineers, genius artists, and genius management that were able to like shepherd us through the switch. But the tide was already turning Mm
3: -hmm.
0: for projects, independent studios to need significant backing. That was also when Kickstarter was really shaping up. You know all the crowdfunding and what's that the one that I think it's Akiva? That one that you can just give loans Mm -hmm. to people like individuals. Like all those things started happening gotcha. so vc vc is a real thing it's almost like our our video games life's blood yeah like would you say so larry
1: yes uh so one of the things that you did bring up is saying kickstarter or even thinking indiegogo or any of the like uh, our fig now is a, a big one right like I I see this as a critical importance to the game industry because there's a lot of talent that's being squandered in these dumb acquisition deals or companies getting shut down and people feeling like they want to do it their own way. So I'm happy that there is starting to become like an avenue where you can at least try. Like you can put your nuts on the table and say, this is what we're going to do. And you can get money and try to do it you know what i mean so at least there's that saving grace it's still not big enough to house every single person who's capable leaving an industry or leaving you know working at the top level cuz they got cans studio get shut down etc but at least some people can take advantage of this avenue and the customers more importantly are familiar and accepting of these platforms because oh, cool. that is a key critical component as well nah, so by preach Sure. <laughs> so I, I love knowing that you know our brothers and sisters have a place to go. That there's opportunities for top level gaming still, even though I see AAA shrinking. I right. see. I love that Steam has early access. There's people believing in these like almost finished games and still ready to purchase like ahead of yeah. time. Uh, I think it's actually a great time to be a game developer at any level, beginning. Oh, totally mid-level or AAA, I think now actually is a really good, we're out of the 2008 kind of instability of this country financially. Oh, totally. You know, it, the resources to learn game development are everywhere. This is like, this is the golden era of being able to make games, I'll just say.
0: Oh, totally. And I'm, yeah. I am won't say money to nobody. Like, if you want me to make, yeah, yeah. make a game about telling racists how to read, I will make that yeah. game.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> I made this game already. <laughs> So looking mm-hmm. back in the uh, development cycle of saboteur, you said five to six years. right? We can kind of yeah. guess what went wrong, but like, mm-hmm. you know, it being a world uh, open world game, 150 people on it, uh, multiple projects. So I mean, even if you guys are doing well, other projects aren't doing well. I mean, how uh, did it affect you guys throughout the the process? Well, when we got to wear
0: a lot of different know. hats, right? And features creep. You know, that just tends to happen. They they become their own game oftentimes. We had a fun, uh, like, test world, test realm that we would have on our boxes that was essentially like a Hot Wheels with Saboteur. We could stack up Nazis and knock them over and make tracks of cars. And it was like just maximum nonsense. And we were just playing with the game world and seeing what it could do because we are hoping for, you know, another shot at this that would come out much sooner <laughs> mm-hmm. and, you know, like be a, a, a quick follow up. And that was actually kind of pandemic's way for a while, you know, before I got there, before, like, I think development costs in general started ballooning for everyone,
3: mm-hmm.
0: you know, and bravo to the companies that did survive such things, you know, it was like Insomniac and that. So it's, it's one of those things where, you know, as a concept artist, you start early making elements that inspire the team. And then, you know, once the characters and places are, done you move on to sequences and you help the the narrative team build a story and build a bones for so people know what sequence or area they're making you know, thematically then you start breaking out props and you know you just start doing as many as you can with a, a period piece mm-hmm. significant you know it's a significant undertaking and it's it's kind of a a rich uh historic deep dive that you get to do and look at cool cars like Bugattis and Cigar Car Racers and those beautiful old racing posters or propaganda pieces or French Resistance Tricky mm-hmm. uh, tricky baziki type of uh, weapons. Like they had coins that had a knife in it and a garrote and all this crazy stuff, and you get to see what character would use that. Mm-hmm. And bit by bit, you start breaking it out, and then those elements go into the game, and then you're making art in the game, which is different. Uh, insignias to play in different regions because you can't have Nazi symbols in Germany if you want to sell a game in Germany. Let's mm-hmm. uh, see, there's, you know, like, you know, the day to day, you know, having a full list of stuff to do and then knocking it all out. But by the end, marketing showed up, which was my last, uh, give or take a year, which is like cinematics. I was on that team. So we were interfacing with our animators and a cinematic director, Nicholas Labisi, who works at Infinity Ward currently. And uh, it's just working with an exterior vr department as well of uh, uh, vfx department to do final renders for like uh there's a cg animated uh trailer uh, all sorts of stuff to show off show off the game so uh being able to wear a lot of hats and experience the different elements of the team was really cool but you know it's uh we got bought twice, so I think there was like two bo- two rounds of bonuses.
3: Hey, I don't,
0: I don't believe I was around long enough for any of those. Oh. Uh, but I, I count my bonus the company I keep, and it was one of those things where I got met my wife, mm-hmm. you know, and I met all the friends, mm-hmm. and you know, I, I was a California transplant. Uh, I don't know, no, no stack of dough because stack up. Mm-hmm.
1: To so, like. if you consider your wife and friends being part of your bonus package. You're probably the uh, only one who still has bonus left over. <laughs>
0: oh, you know what though? I think I might owe them some money.
1: Might... <laughs> oh, oh. Make sure, I'll make sure she hears that.
0: <laughs> Is that Imran? She cash back.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so let me just let's. I'm gonna ask one question about the household then. So what's it like being in a household that's completely creative? Both you and the wife are creatives in the game industry or in film and TV.
0: Oh sure. So my wife is currently uh, supervising animator on Supergirl for the CW. She worked on Mm. quite a lot of shows over there. She's an animator of quite a lot of heavy hits, and you know I'm Mm. uh, desperate awe every morning. You
3: know,
0: (laughs) oh, that's damn. Her snores put my work to sleep. No, that's that's (laughs) what it is. So what uh, what I need to do is catch up, and that's Mm. that's the type of household we have where you know we look up to each other. Mm-hmm. And you know, we show each other silly scribbles. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's uh it's a very disarming and uh, from where I'm from in Detroit, naked way to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you Detroit. know, you're vulnerable because you get to share what your thoughts are and how they come. And in turn, you get one of those rarest things where I think you know any set of partners when they meet on the right terms and build a relationship, mm-hmm. they get to that headspace where it's not about me being me, it's about me being us and giving giving into that and understanding, you know, how good can I be? How much can I know? And, you know, how how desperate can I be to see someone all day, every day? Because it means a lot. You know, that's why you sit in traffic. That's why, you know, you let the oil burn your hand when you're making fried fish, you do all that stuff. Mm
1: You're so romantic. Oh, you you're such a you're romantic, such a good guy, man. You really
3: are.
2: <laughs> yeah. my wife begs for a compliment, but I don't give a tear.
0: Uh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding.
2: <laughs> you gotta you gotta keep your, her what wanting more.
0: You make for your ladies. What, what's, what's, what do you cook?
2: Oh what's man, she, she doesn't want my food. Usually, mine's spaghetti. Yeah.
0: <laughs> all right, all right.
2: Yeah, spaghetti is the, Yeah, from scratch. Uh,
0: right. Oh my god, amazing. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. How about Check you? Check that out.
1: Uh, well, I can't make her my go-to meal because she refused to eat my go-to meal. <laughs> <laughs> no! no. She, she caught wind of, you know, it's like, oh, I don't want to be like everybody else. So I guess one time I was able to prepare her something really nice. Uh, but I won't I won't ruin it and, and kind of divulge what my secrets are just right, in on. case I have to pull from the hat again for her. Right. But uh, I will say... Since we have introduced a change of pace, I think this is a great opportunity for you and I to play this game that I really like that we do on Game Dev Unchained. Mister Emran, are you ready to play a game? Of course. All right. This game is called the Fast Five. All right. How it works is I'm going to ask you five rapid fire questions. Well, four and one doozy rapid fire questions, and I need five rapid fire answers. All right. Ready for this? okay what is the pin to your bank account no uh question number one
0: you do you know that
1: (laughs) 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 question number one is what's the game that you played that had the best looking food
0: oh my god flint hook recently
1: okay everyone's gonna go google that now so good question
0: pork chops it's weird (laughs)
1: Sam, I am anywhere near to be found in there. I'm, I'm
0: into some fl- like flavors. <laughs> so. Okay.
1: Question number two. Name a game power-up you wish you had in real life.
0: Oh, who doesn't want an extra life?
1: Mm. Okay. Oh, man. Damn.
2: Okay. I wouldn't want to test that,
0: though. <laughs> no, 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 no. no, no. I was
1: like, I'm not sure. I think I got it. Or Taduki suit.
0: Whatever. Raccoons are cool.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, maybe you don't use it like a test. It's more like a live to the fullest, and then, oh, hey, 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 check it I'm out. I'm back. of this. For this. I if I got an extra life, I wouldn't kill myself just to see. Uh, question number three, first thing or character you can recall being able to draw very well?
0: Oh, I got in trouble. I got in trouble, <laughs> but... Uh... Let's see. I drew Mickey Mouse on the first page of the Quran when I was a boy. And uh-huh. I had the skin almost ripped off the side of my neck being tossed into a pile of shoes in a mosque. Yeah. Oh. Uh-huh. Because so, they told me whatever you scribe upon, you know, if you, if you do the word of God, uh, God sees it. I was like, well, I just learned how to draw this crazy shit. Let's do this. <laughs> Mistake.
1: Yeah. You learned a lot or, of- or was it? Because look I where you are and look at what you do. Yeah, I know.
2: And Disney kind of does own everything right now.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Okay, question number four. What's the very best version of the Hero's Journey game or movie that you've experienced? Oh, 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 that can't be fast. That can't be fast.
0: (laughs) But uh, you know what? If you do it right, life, if you do Mm -hmm. it right, you can get in there and rise the fucking challenge and ask more of yourself because we need you we need you so otherwise you know I like Journey Journey's a good game <laughs> sometimes yeah. Frogger Frogger's kind of there you know
1: <laughs> you always drop gems Emron. you should yeah. be teaching people
2: you looking forward to the sky then? sky just uh, got announced
0: oh yeah yeah that looked beautiful
2: yeah.
3: Right. yeah
0: oh my god that animation system and like just jumping in the deep field that was so cool yeah and I could I could watch that trailer every day and just find my fucking
2: zen. That'd be, so cool. What what I liked it, it kind of like it's weird like the indie titles for me at least that that game kind of just zapped me back into the Final Fantasy days of PS2 like the Final Fantasy IX in particular but eight so oh,
3: right it, it just on. has
2: that that feeling so nice. you know the Shadow of the Colossus feeling going on. It's just oh, like old school, good Japanese games back in PS2. Like, that's what I feel like with a lot of that, at least that game company stuff. So,
1: Yeah, I would love another game that has the charm of Final Fantasy IX. Yeah. Oh my God, yeah. All right. Question number five, the big one, and this comes from follower and Patreon supporter, Mr. Paul Miller Jr. Thank you again, Paul, for committing to our podcast and giving us an awesome question to ask a guest. There, Paul. This is your question, Paul. So you're tasked with the decision, or excuse me, you're tasked with making the decision which genre of a game will no longer be produced. It has been outlawed by governments across the world, and anyone seen developing the game will be punished by a tickle to death. This guy must know you to even say that. For (laughs) real. Seriously. Get (laughs) out of my brain. That's serendipitous right there. so what genre do you ban and why and then he says keep in mind all traces of the genre will be erased from history books and any effect they had will also be gone so you erase uh platformers no more mario so for the sake of all that is game development genres who's gotta go fuck
0: math games (laughs) fuck (laughs) them.
1: There you go. So, like Super Solver is gone. It's like one of my oh, favorite man, games. God. Outnumbered, gone. You know, gone Sudoku, gone. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm sick of you. I'm sick. Of you. Obviously, that's impossible question. But I, yeah, I will take my punishment.
1: <laughs> Dude, no, that's that's a fair way to skate that one. If anyone is seen developing math-related games, specifically math-related games, death by tickling. <laughs> There you go. That's a, you know what? I'll take it. Mr. Emron, thank you for participating in the fast five. I'm taking a print screen of your face. I'm going to put it (laughs) on the wall of all the people who have completed the game. Your reward will be in the mail sometime. Sure. I'm sure you'll get something. Right. And I don't know who it'll be from, but it's from us. Oh, I believe it. It might might say someone else's name. I'm sure it'll come around Christmas or your birthday, whichever one is the biggest. Obviously it's from us.
0: That's right.
2: That's right. So, uh, Imran, like, um, you know, of course, pandemic isn't around anymore if the listeners haven't figured it out. (laughs) But, uh, let's go to the end of days, right? Like, let's start winding down the clock. Like, when did it start to be like, huh, that's interesting. No, more toilet paper. (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's the background, right? If anyone has ever been in, in, the when uh times were tough uh, in a situation like a, a studio closing down or whatever like it, it's really sometimes can be subtle but not so subtle like i, I remember in my personal experience when i was at digital main um when they were going through the whole you know closure of visual effects to especially right after the florida one that got like completely shut down right like they would, uh, well, considerably less and less people were in the office, like noticeably. And then they would have meetings talking about, you know, uh, donut Fridays were gone. Right, That's the first thing that went went. And then, and then, like you know, st- emails would be coming out like kindly do not use as much uh, towels. Paper towels. Wow. <laughs> yeah, they were really cutting back. And so I don't know how – I mean I, hopefully it wasn't as bad as that.
0: Not even close. Okay. But <laughs> so
2: how was it then?
0: Uh, there was – so we, I, I had mentioned there was two acquisitions. So after the first one, quite a lot of cheer mm. Uh, mm. because it was two companies, very independent, very different games joining to be like the PB&J of video games. Mm-hmm. You know, like oh, nice. the taste, that taste. You can't go wrong. You know, like PB&J with butter on it, like mm. do that, Mm-mm. you know? It was it was to be that. It was, you know, was RPG-centric Bioware and open-world, fun-time-centric, pew-pew, uh, pandemic merging. Uh, that, there was so much cheer because it was such an unusual but seemed almost obvious pairing for, like, the, the ideology.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: But as soon as the second merger happened, Uh, it was different because people had experience from EA Yeah, Uh, we had them already in the studio there's plenty of them so most of them were pretty cool but they were like you know things might shift but we had a hard stop we didn't have a gradual one Mm -hmm. you know there was a few people wise to the process I was a young man I was fairly Mm -hmm. naive Uh, but it was one of those things where uh, all of a sudden our game's coming out and our studios closed before it really releases mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it's one of those you know i guess band-aid ripped off real hard right. real fast right so uh there was uh in the last month month or three where we knew we're done mm-hmm. but everybody still came to work and we had one of those like crazy fever dreams of one of our artists, one of our TDs was making A Saboteur 2 for funsies.
3: Mm-hmm. He spent
0: like three months rebuilding uh, Berlin,
3: mm-hmm.
0: where he wanted the sequel to take place and labeling the streets and he cut a little cinematic which, uh, which was a lot of heart and soul. Uh, he's ended up working in great places since then he's currently you know, working for Activision.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, nice. So as a designer now. Um, so it's one of those things where We were trying to maybe save the ship because we saw the writing on the wall, but uh, there was no real uh hope for something like that turning, perhaps maybe the IP surviving. Mm -hmm. And I still have hope for that because all you get is good feelings. Mm -hmm. All you get, you know, people holler for saboteur, they're like, that game was crazy. You know, it was, I recommend watching some of the silly videos aside from the video that I showed Larry about my last day.
1: So for all the users out there who who aren't going to be on this inside joke, I'm going to have to spoil the beans or spill the beans. So three dudes from Pandemic, they take out a notorious printer into the back alley and they gave it the office space treatment (laughs) with cinematic music, slow-mo cam, shot for shot, punch for punch. It was like, I was impressed. Super HD quality camera. And I'm talking before like 1080p was the thing you got i don't know who had what camera but that was amazing for the time
0: that was amazing yeah so we we wanted to do something to send us off because for a place that had such great uh such a great community mm-hmm. uh it was it's was hard to see everybody go mm-hmm. so you know we had to have one fun thing in the oil fields in culver city <laughs> smash up a printer to clean <laughs> everything up i swear to god
1: so. yeah <laughs> i believe you
0: you know, we were actually a little bit meticulous when it caught a little
1: cancel. <laughs> <laughs> Every piece of toner must be picked up.
0: Yeah, we're like we felt so horrible, we're like, Oh shit, we didn't even know that was in there.
1: <laughs> well, Emron, you know, anything is possible. Shenmu three went through Kickstarter and is went through crowdfunding in general and is hey cut a trailer. Apparently the game is coming out. So SAB two could still be a thing if you get the it right could people. could still happen. Yeah. It could still happen.
2: Is Shenmue you 3 really coming rush? out, though? <laughs> I like the last time I heard is they just made a lot of money and they ran with it, man. I haven't heard anything no, dude, did you
1: see? Did you see the trailer that they cut for Shenmue 3? How recent yeah. was
2: this? How recent was this?
1: Uh, like two weeks ago. It looked just, like okay. It was made back then. Well, yeah. I
2: mean, if you made millions of dollars, I guess you... You go can, go look cut at a trailer,
1: <laughs> Brandon Fam. You
0: know, everybody who likes Shenmue doesn't want a Shenmue game, they just want a Shenmue movie for the last right, part. Right, of yeah. Yeah. Just to get, to get going, all the balls of games. Like, what yeah. are you gonna do?
1: <laughs> I will say this, Brandon Fam. Yeah, you owe it to yourself. Yes,
2: I will watch this. everyone listen to this
1: podcast. Yeah. Go look at the Shenmue 3.
2: I will look at this. <laughs> You know how I feel about AAA Kickstarter projects? <laughs> they, they just don't work. <laughs> it always starts with like... It's actually the laziest ones. Right, sorry, I'm going off tangent here. If you, no, please do. If you analyze the AAA Kickstarter one, it's always the lazy ones where they just have the the producer you know by name alone <laughs> just talk about the game and you like you look at all the other ones that actually spend like a lot of work it's like we got to show the game let our game speak for itself like we have to put a lot of production value in it to make sure that people you know first of all they have to prove themselves to the people mm-hmm. to give them money if they've never been heard of before but like these triple gay guys they just come in and just like hey man i'm i'm hot shit you know look at my linkedin give me money <laughs> give me <laughs> All right, uh, so like yeah. it's going off the mic a bit. Yeah.
0: No, but they should have like instead of a kickstarter, they should have a kick finish.
2: Yeah, exactly. Oh, but... yeah. No one would visit <laughs> that site.
1: Yeah, <laughs> some people don't actually want to get the game; they just want to buy into the dream of getting Buying the game. It it's me. like playing the lotto. It's like playing the lotto. It like is. you buy the ticket just to have the two days of man. If I win, you know what I'm gonna do? Because that's a good feeling. It's like. When you were asked if you wanted to donate money to some of these Kickstarter games, it was like, wow, it would be so nice to play this. It one. would it's be dumb. great. But I'm oh, going to cut and run.
2: <laughs> He's cutting and running. Dude. I will check out this trailer, yeah, and I will uh, report back to you later.
1: <laughs> Imran, is there a game that you've worked on in your career that is no longer a game besides Sab? Uh that you would love to see get the 2017 treatment. So like next gen graphics, cutting edge game design techniques and the multiplayer stuff that we're doing now that we didn't do before. Is there one thing that you would revive and put your spin on? Oh, that I've played or that I no that you, that one of the games from your career that you've worked on. Oh, let's see. Like Marm. Uh, It's,
0: I worked on quite a few, but like Saboteur is the one that I would I would think would get the biggest benefit because
3: yeah.
0: like we live in a post GTA five world mm-hmm. where imagine tossing to different characters and in, uh, in a World War II occupied territory
3: mm-hmm.
0: would be fascinating, mm-hmm. and yeah. you, you get to be the spy master, the spy, the traitor, mm-hmm. you know, even the soldier. You can do all these things because the technology is there. We were inventing it, and it was mm-hmm. crazy. Mm-hmm. And we are inventing the style and how it should look and how it should mm-hmm. look from a wide shot of, like, pockets wow. of black and white and storm amongst, you know, sunshine and fucking rainbows for liberated areas. Because mm-hmm. it's Paris and it should be gorgeous.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And a day-night cycle that was live, not just, you know, uh, hot-cold, but, you know, it was like a transition. So yeah. that's the one I would like to see the most. But uh, I'm currently working on the Final Fantasy mobile commercials. Oh, and check I, yeah, out. so out. So those are cool. I'm hoping that those in the future become something more like AR or whatever, mm-hmm. so I can like build and summon and mm-hmm. do stuff like that and be surrounded by my troops.
2: Sounds so, like uh, LARPing, dude. You just got to go out there in yeah, the forest. do that. Get a couple of costumes. <laughs> Does it get more <laughs> AR than that, dude?
0: <laughs> get some duct tape. <laughs> get some duct tape.
2: So we brought the duct tape. I got it.
0: No, I, mean, I tried to run in them suits once. Those kids can pick up their knees. Yeah, That's some crazy <laughs> shit. Running in the woods with fucking shit on, not cool.
2: <laughs> I <laughs> so seriously want to try. Pick up their knees. I want to try at least once. uh Larping, like it seems like. Finding I f- I feel like I can buy into the fantasy, right? right? Because if you really sit down and talk to them, they know what's up. Right? They know mm-hmm. what they're doing. It's like it's part of just like really being a part of it. And-
0: yeah, I just want to have like, a, if I was to do LARPing like full time, I would be like a LARPing taco truck. So I make some like hot like, pie from Game of Thrones, making like I don't give up on the gravy. Yeah, I stick with it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> so, and that would be my LARPing. I'm cooking. And it's like It'd know, be a barbecue, like, yeah.
2: Just take it making over
0: poster. <laughs>
1: I hate that I'm going to do this, but I'm going to because, you know, I always like to be the guy who brings everything to the widest audience possible. In case you don't know what LARPing is, it's live action role playing It's where everyone dresses up as it doesn't have to even be fantasy. But normally it's fantasy characters. You pretend to like do combat battle with RPG elements and you throw marshmallows at people and you say lightning bolt 50 times. That's how you kill each other for a great Example of this being played that I think is like easily to consume, especially for someone who is like so far from it. I would say Roll the movie models. Role Models. Oh my Roll God. So good. so good. So they, good. They do such a good job. It's hilarious. I love it. So it's got one of the best watch role You
0: mean the song Love Guns About That Guy's Dick? Yes.
1: <laughs> 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 role Models. Even Roll if you model. don't want to see LARP, go watch Role Models. That I movie's legit. Role Models. It's a good movie. Endorsement.
0: That and the rundown. Just watch the rundown, like,
1: twice. Mm. Yeah. That's a good one. Damn, man, I I love talking to you on this podcast, man. man. You're a a good dude. Was there anything, I'll ask you to kind of swing it back into pandemic, and I don't want to beat a dead horse, but was there anything that you would have done different about your experience at that studio?
0: Let's see, I probably would have learned more like CG type stuff. You know, mm-hmm. maybe a little light animation. Uh, to be honest, I was pretty busy the entire time. We—I didn't really have a slow moment. So, mm-hmm. if you look at some of the artwork, like the achievement artwork, which is like these uh, pulpy illustrations, I was drawing the whole way through, which is crazy. Again, it never happens. Never ever happens. Mm-hmm. So, but things I would do differently. It's like so much of the business is subject to things that most of us can't even comprehend. Mm-hmm. Uh there are forces so beyond our control and decisions where you know someone has making the choice for 300 people. I I thank God I don't have to ever do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? So I'll I'll twist it up. I'll say there's here's a handful of things that people can learn about pandemic mm-hmm. that might be great in their studios. Uh potentially trying to let people make their own groups, mm-hmm. which they did wonderfully. Mm-hmm. They they tried really hard to make it so that people Uh, felt like a natural affinity to try to be together.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, Diversity of projects. Back then, it wasn't as sustainable as it is now, you know, with the fig and with other things and hopefully a kick finisher or some goddamn thing, (laughs) Uh, you know. But one of those things where it's like it's more possible and it's easier to do marketing without without having to hire the old guard of marketing, which are admittedly too old, Mm -hmm. too old to understand how people consume marketing. They know you're full of shit. (laughs) <laughs> so right now, authenticity, being yeah. genuine and appealing to your audience will make people who don't even give a fuck about a first-person shooter or a, or a third-person anything, but they know that it's a genuine title, they mm-hmm. flock to it mm-hmm. because their dollar is their vote. And that's what supply and demand should be. And I think we're finding an equilibrium. Hopefully, you know, nothing gets super fucked up mm-hmm. in the short short term. Where we actually get to experience the boom economy that's being built right now. But, you know, if a pandemic existed now, watch out. Oh, man. <laughs> but, uh, and then lastly, the third thing that I think was just absolutely unique for a pandemic was if you're going to be the boss, you got to know why people like your stuff. Mm. So being involved in the community and taking that love and moving into different fields and applying that type of enthusiasm has been a lesson to me after being laid off mm-hmm. and seeing that you can transform, you can become more as long as you have a good ethic and, you know, could stand to do more of that. Maybe union, like, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you've
2: been in a lot of industries and we can get into the freelancing stuff. Like, sure. Union has been something that has been sorely lacking in the game industry, and I don't even think we're even close to even forming even a close. union. Yeah, not even close. I mean, what what is it about us? Are we still too young to to get? No, this going? not too young at all. Okay. Not
0: too young at all. No, the, the, I think personally, I think the main problem is that we get paid too much or we get paid. Mm. Uh, People that form unions get fucked, Mm. and that's why you form a union. That your arm gets chewed up in a factory, or you're getting poisoned by the noxious gases coming from, like, iodizing aluminum or whatever. You're getting fucked, and no one's looking for you because you're disposable. Mm. But you're not. You're a laborer, and you have hands, and you have talent, and you have skill. And either the thing that you're making gets messed up by people who don't know what they're doing, or it gets done correctly because of you but you have to do it safely you need government to help you regulate.
3: Right. Mm-hmm.
0: Entertainment is woefully unregulated because we give money gleefully to politicians, which are called bribes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, and that's how the system works. We are in a very corrupt system. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not, it's a lot less corrupt than a lot of places. Mm-hmm. So, you know, lucky to be here, but the wheels are being greased against the worker and it's been that way since anybody had two nickels rubbed together Together, and say, you don't get a nickel. <laughs> right?
1: Sure. Is there something that you see that the game industry could do to even take one step towards just even one step? You know, do you have a insight I guess on that?
0: worker's rights manifesto type of thing? Like, mm-hmm. hey, maybe we should all be hourly. You know, yes. let's just kill salaries. Let's just kill them because you're abusing it. Mm. You know, there's people who make more hourly than salary people because they get hired in the last year of a project, but they work three times as much than a person who worked four years mm. because that person wasn't as visible in the last amount of time. The hourly person doubles their entire salary, whereas a salary person has to come in and eat it and mm. hopefully not use up all of sick time being abused by the hours. Mm. Mm. Salary is dangled in front of people. To get them to sign on to horrible shit and being freelance is not great either because you're subject to awful taxes in the state yeah. and almost extortive mm. uh permits and you have to play by the rules because the rules yeah but they're actually not made to make good work or be a mitochondria an engine for creativity and for commerce it's mostly made to make sure that the people that are on the top have no competition, Mm -hmm. which that kind of sounds like they're a bunch of pussies.
2: Mm -hmm. (laughs) But it's very true, man. It's like, um, for the amount of time, especially in that period where a lot of studios were shutting down, like the amount of just employees and just developers just out of a job and being unstable. And it, especially now man i feel like right now is is it's either if you get signed on to a big project you're mostly contract for sure mm-hmm. which kind of solves the issue but not really right the instability is definitely there um like the movie guys that come to games is they want to be around longer than that. But even if you are on a salary, it's like you're really project to project. Right. So, yeah, I mean, that's the truth. You know, anyone that is thinking otherwise definitely having a better deal than the rest of us, because what I've seen is, is pretty much that it's project to project. Um, mm-hmm. And as far as like staying longer than that, it's really, you really need to like be on your toes either a year or six months from your project ending (laughs) to kind of like, what what do you have lined up? Nothing. Okay, that's interesting. All right, this is going to be our last
0: day. (laughs) Pretty much.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's the truth of it now. The truth. And so I'm just with all, you know, with what? The last thing that I've seen about the game industry, and this is like a survey, and I'll link it into this podcast episode so you guys know I'm not just blowing farts out of my mouth uh <laughs> is that th- there's a survey that came out since t- 2014 um the job market in the game industry has shrunk
3: mm-hmm.
2: but the demand has been high yeah we actually grew 43 percent on people looking for jobs and shranked uh in in terms of game jobs but year over year since 2014 the game industry has been really profitable it's at, at a record high right now so oh, yeah. the things that we've been seeing or complaining about one of the reasons why we created this podcast you know it's very unbalanced right now so what's going on we definitely are making a lot of money i mean it could be just a lot of people going indie but most indie as we know it's like only a few actually make it to the top
0: well, indie is still doing triple, indies doing triple A. Yeah. Like that's, yeah. that's the problem. We're still playing the game. Right. And the game is, the board is set in favor of all the people with the, uh, essentially the publishing channels and the marketing arms. And that's, what's drowning business out. It's in my opinion, mm-hmm. it's not the games, and the titles and the enthusiasm itself. It's this old guard that you have to continue to pay for because they insist that they need to exist. No, they don't. Mm-hmm. You can advertise someone directly in their pocket. The world has changed. And also, you don't need every customer. That means your game doesn't need to be as big. That means make one element, do it really well. Like, what happened to restaurants? Did grocery stores kill restaurants? Did restaurants kill grocery stores? Like, it's a different idea. When you want to cook for yourself, you're thinking about something different than when you're going to McDonald's. Yeah. so the idea of a game in your pocket versus a game in your pc or your console your sit down game like it's so different yet they insist on doing marketing the same stupid expensive way mm-hmm. and distributing the same stupid expensive way mm-hmm. those costs you don't need to incur like you guys are saying like the early access this direct market that's let's not have QA in the traditional sense let's just release what we think is our strongest feature Mm -hmm. have it tested and then build features around it what's that one with the space one that's uh, Star Citizen Star Citizen (laughs) Jesus Christ that game Jesus
2: that game that is the business
0: (laughs) that is the business a perpetual game but that's the joke of it is that if you were to be a VC person an angel investor and say hey fuck the shenanigans I want something to come out in two years from two years ago, right? Something should be out right now. What do you want to make? You make one thing. Don't make 12 fucking things, make one Mm -hmm. thing, right? What is that game? Right now it's nothing. It's a demo of stuff. So we got to stop thinking like AAA, that giant experience is the only experience that people can have. There's so many different experiences people can have with games. Make those games. You know, Larry, you know me, I guess, like crazy thoughts in my dome of just things that are, for maybe two seconds of your time, like literally a where wear, wear you out type of shit,
3: mm-hmm. uh,
0: where you're having fun, you mm-hmm. know, it's like moment to moment. Gamifying just about everything.
3: Yeah,
0: Or other games that are more narrative, where you sit down and you ponder, and it maybe sticks with you afterwards. Mm-hmm. This is a new form of medium mm-hmm. that's trying to understand itself, and it's so much more diverse than film. Mm-hmm. It's it's closer to a novel mm-hmm. Than it is anything else uh, It's not passive in any way So all of a sudden You're telling the story The player is the, the last uh, Hand stroke Is the signature of the work mm-hmm. So we have an opportunity To really change things We're still doing it the same way That we distribute movies and TV shows And how we did fucking radio
2: Right.
0: So like I, I have sometimes an issue
2: with the old-fashioned thinking. Yeah. It's, you know, the future is VR porn. I hear you loud and clear, dude. (laughs) got (laughs)
3: the (laughs) socks. Two of
2: them. Guys, put that Kleenex away. Get it on. I I want to,
1: I want to be responsible for the VR game that entertains the person playing. But has you doing things that makes it look like you're doing porn <laughs> stuff yes. to everyone who's watching you play? I think that right there is the key. Yeah. Like, oh no, the shower is broke. I got to fix it. You know. What I mean? Yeah, like in like, Nintendo, oh, yeah, just, like mini it's, games, it's, pretty much. <laughs> but then everyone around watching you has no idea what's on the uh, screen. They're just reacting to uh, it. it. It's how did I get in
0: this cornfield? <laughs> <Exactly. laughs> what is this?
1: <laughs>
2: get out of my face. Get it out of
1: my face. <laughs> 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 anyway uh speaking of marketing in old ways i got this secret decoder ring and if i look at it it says be sure to drink your no it says that we've been podcasting for over an hour mr emerald yeah. and so at this time brandon and i want to thank you very much for oh, your hey. infinite wisdom and your funny hilarious <laughs> antics and or excuse me your view on things plus your very deep perspective on some real subjects So before I even get into anything else, thank you for being a part of the podcast. Oh,
0: you guys are very welcome. Thank you guys for having me. It's it's been a pleasure. Uh, reminiscing making me feel old you Hey
1: man, time did it we just reminded you yeah. time
0: fucks us off
1: <laughs> but your reward for being so awesome and so gracious is we're going to be quiet for about a minute and a half to two minutes and we're going to let you talk directly to our podcast audience and shout out promote raise awareness or just get people's attention on something that you believe is deserving so mr emron without further ado the floor is yours
0: Oh, thank you guys so much. I'd just like to take a moment to say what's up to the people of Flint. And, you know, if you guys get some water, let me know because I haven't heard about it. Mm, Uh, Do your best everyone to get them some water and raise awareness. Also for our water protectors who said and didn't say, I told you so when that shit leaked. So Mm. go out of your way to do something right. Go out of your way to connect with people. And if you're an artist, that's your goddamn obligation. Mm. So... Mm. You know, get there. That's the only way we get better. And I learn from you as much as you learn from me, if that ever happened. So <laughs> let's uh, let's do that and uh, you know, be kind. Just try to be a little kind. Yeah, I need it, too. I don't want to yell in traffic.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> man, Emron, you're the candidate for the most interesting man in the world, number three. When they replace number two, <laughs> I, I think you should be the third one. Just... <laughs> I just want to say that I think you're all right. But without further ado, I'm Larry Charles. Good night. This is Brandon Fowl. See you guys next week. Good night. If you enjoyed this podcast and you want to stay in touch or continue to follow our developments, then you need to go to facebook.com forward slash dev unchained and drop a like and stay in touch. You can also get the direct feed for this podcast on soundcloud.com forward slash dev unchained.